Readings John 15, 26 to 16, 15. But this is to fulfil what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. When the counsellor comes, who I will send to you, to you from the Father, the Spirit of the truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me and you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills, who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asked me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the council will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. In regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to, I'm going to the Father, where you can where you can see me no longer. And in in regard to judgment, because the the price of this world now stands condemned, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of Truth, comes, he will guide you into the into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Well, it's great to be with you once again. I want to speak on this passage from uh, from John. Uh, to understand passages in the Gospels, perhaps in particular, but uh, right across Scripture, we have to understand the context that they come to us. Uh, sometimes we just take a, a few verses of Scripture or a passage of Scripture and rip it out of context and make it say something that it's not actually saying or we don't understand it fully because it's not in, in the context, it's not understood in the context. And, and uh, where Jesus is saying these things about the Holy Spirit, it's really important because he's speaking uh, from around the table. John chapters 13 through to 17, uh, Jesus sitting at the table where uh, he uh, instituted what we call the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper or, or Communion. And that's the table that he's sitting at. And he's called his disciples to be uh, um, amongst him. And, uh, and Peter is sitting there in this very intimate time around the table. And, and Peter is about to go out and deny that he even knows Jesus. And Judas is there at the table eating, uh, eating this last meal with Jesus before he goes to his death. And as we know, Judas is just about to go out and betray him. 
uh, to be arrested. And in this very intimate environment, Jesus talks about a whole lot of things, but it's all around the context of, I am going away, I am going away, and I will no longer be with you in the same way uh, that I have been before. But it's okay, he says, it's okay that I'm going away, because you can imagine the grief Uh, The disciples have been with Jesus across these three years. Uh, He's been everything to them. They've given up all that they were doing uh, to follow Jesus. And now he's making this announcement after only three years of ministry that he's going away and he's going to leave them. And their grief uh, is, uh, is pretty solid. I could imagine it. And they're wondering, what's he meaning? What's he talking about? You know, so often he's said things that we don't really understand. I wonder what it is that he's talking about this time, really. And Jesus tries to make it pretty clear to them, pretty obvious to them, that I'm going away and you will not see me again. Uh, but it's okay. And one of the reasons why it's okay is because he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And he says that if I don't go to the Father... Uh, the Holy Spirit won't come in the way that he came on the day of Pentecost in all of his fullness and all of his availability and all of his power that's available for all of Jesus' followers. Uh, The Holy Spirit wouldn't come in that way. Uh, Jesus talks about uh, various other things around the table. He talks about love. He talks about servanthood. He talks about uh, God as Father. He talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about the importance of our ongoing relationship with God. He also talks about the realities of being let down, and that's pretty appropriate with Peter and Judas there at the table. He talks about persecution, and again, that's pretty appropriate because he's heading to the cross. Uh, In chapter 17, he prays, and then in chapter 18, it's recorded that he gets up and he goes to the garden where he's arrested and then into the trial and into into uh, crucifixion. So talking about persecution, that certainly fits the context. And he talks about or exemplifies the importance of prayer in John chapter 17. So all of those themes are there in John chapters 13 to 17. Uh, a fantastic understanding of what's really close to the heart of Jesus because these are the things that he chose uh, to talk to them about as, uh, if, if you like, his last words uh, before his death. But in, these, in this uh, chapter that we read, it actually started at chapter 15, verse 26, but then on into chapter 16, uh, he talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. He also talks about the world of suffering, and he talks about why he is telling them all of these things, especially in those first few verses from John 15 through to 16, verse 4. Uh, he introduces the topic of the Holy Spirit, and he says uh, the Holy Spirit will be the paraclete. Uh, in some translations, it's got the counselor. In others, it's got the advocate. In others, it's got the alongsider. Uh, The Greek word is paraclete, and so often Greek words are very complex words, and they're very hard to translate into English with just one word. And so you go back to find the original and the complexity of what these words mean. And the word paraclete is uh, all of those things, the advocate, the counselor, the alongsider. He also talks about him as the spirit of truth, and he's going to be sent by Jesus and the Father uh, to be in the disciples as they're moving ahead and planting the church. We see all of that, of course, in the book of Acts. 
In passing, he also talks about the world of suffering. Uh, He's told them that they're going to suffer. In a previous passage, he's told them that they're going to suffer because uh, they are following him. But he doesn't say who the suffering is coming from. And oftentimes we can read that passage and think, oh, the suffering is coming from the world. Uh, In this case, it would be the Roman world. Maybe what we talk about today is the secular world. But it's interesting to note here that as he unwraps the suffering that they're about to face... Uh, it's not the Roman world at all. It's not the secular world. It's not the Greek world, which are the worlds that they're in. It's actually the religious world. It's the Jewish religious world that is going to be opposed to them and uh, causing their suffering. You might have noticed as the verses were read to us, he talks about uh, those who have access to control over the synagogues. They'll stop you from coming into the synagogues, into church services, if you like because you're following me and, uh, and, and they'll decide to execute you for blasphemy against God because you're following me and so the very people that should have been supportive of the disciples and, and, and the new church in Acts are the very people who are persecuting them most and he elaborates on that as we're going through but, uh, but he, he mainly talks about uh, the Holy Spirit and in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit we actually have a continuation of the incarnational purpose of Christ. Now, the incarnational purpose of Christ is described to us in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, it says, God became man. God became a human being. Uh, Jesus, the word, the logos is the Greek word there. And uh, he uh, moves in to our neighborhood. It's uh, paraphrased by uh, Eugene Peterson in the message as Jesus moved into the neighborhood. In other words, he became one of our neighbors. He moved in next door. He became the boy next door is really what John chapter 1 is saying. Uh, But it describes there in John chapter 1 the reason uh, that he came and moved in next door was to let us know what God is really like. Uh, the word that is, is used in the Greek in John chapter 1 is exegete. He came to exegete the character of God. To exegete something is to make it fully known. So in other words, he came in John chapter 1, he came, moved in next door so that God could be fully known. This is what God is really like. This is what God is really like and this is what he would be like if he was living next door because Jesus is God and John describes that as filled with grace and truth that's what he says in John chapter 1 Jesus has moved in full of grace and truth to let us know to exegete God to us so that we might know what God is really like Jesus around the table now as he's about to leave uh, says that's why the Holy Spirit is coming the Holy Spirit is coming as a continuation of my ministry, of, of making God known, of being filled with grace and truth. He is the paraclete. He is the one who graciously comes alongside of us to empower us, to help us, to enable us to be the people of God. And he is the spirit of truth. See, grace and truth. He is the spirit of truth, the one who comes to us to guide us into truth, that we might be people of truth. 
Because, you see, remember Jesus isn't only saying, I'll send the Holy Spirit to do what I've been doing, to be the one who reveals God to you. He will help you become like God. He will help you become people of grace and truth. Because, remember Jesus said, as the Father has sent me into the world, so am I sending you into the world. Now, how on earth can we do that? When we fully understand that Jesus has come to make God known in all of his grace and all of his truth, and then he says, now I want you to go and do the same thing, we say, well, thanks very much, but how on earth can I do that? And so Jesus is saying here, that's why I'm sending the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm giving you God inside (laughs) the Holy Spirit who will enable you to be people of grace and truth. And so Jesus unwraps this in verses 5 to 15 of John chapter 16. He talks to them further about the Holy Spirit. He reminds them, look, if I don't go to the Father, the Spirit will not be sent. But if I do, the Spirit will be sent. And what will the role of the Spirit be? As he unwraps this, he uh, presents three roles of the Spirit. He will be the paraclete, the alongsider. He will be the truth guide, the one who will guide you into truth. And he will be the one who is convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And all that he does, Jesus says, will bring glory to the Father and to the Son, just as Jesus' mission had done on earth and so Jesus is addressing uh, their sorrow at hearing of his departure his departure of I'm going away but it's to your advantage because you will receive the Holy Spirit and this Holy Spirit will be to you as the paraclete the encourager the one who is going to be enabling you and helping you this is the main depiction of his work as we go through uh, these verses. He is the encourager who works alongside us to enable us to do our best. He is the best example of the good neighbour that you could possibly get. And it's described so well in the concept of being an alongsider, one who is walking with us. It's not a top-down relationship. It's not a bottom-up relationship. It's a relationship of alongside, being together. The term alongsider is is often used uh, to name the relationship that we have with our neighbours and with our workmates. A man by the name of Mick Duncan in in a book called Alongside Us uh, helps us define what that really means and, and why it's such a valuable paradigm uh, for for our neighbourhood mission, coming alongside of people. I recommend you have a reader. That's an easy read, and I recommend you have a read of it. Just simply called Alongsiders, available on Kindle. And uh, if you want to download it, it's, uh, it's a good book. As the Spirit comes alongside of us to enable and to encourage us, we can then be alongsiders to others along the way. You know, the New Testament often instructs us to encourage people. And the same word is used as Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit. He says, the paraclete is coming to you. And then when the New Testament says, encourage one another, it uses that same word, parakletos. 
be encouragers. So as the Holy Spirit is to you, you be to others. That's what the, the Bible, the New Testament, is actually instructing us with that word used. And we are to be to others as the Spirit is to us. We are to be alongside us, to encourage and empower other people to be the best that they can be. So that's the first role of the Holy Spirit. He is the encourager. He is the paraclete. He is the alongsider. But he also comes to us as truth guide. The Spirit's role in the church uh, as an encourager is related to truth because as he walks with us, he will be revealing what truth is all about and he will guide the church into truth. You know, it's interesting reading through the book of Acts with this in mind. Uh, when we uh, when we read Acts, oftentimes we're taken back by the signs and the wonders. You know, Peter walks out and he waves his hanky around and people get better and, and, and things happen on the day of Pentecost where people are speaking in languages that they never learned and all sorts of signs and wonders are happening in the book of Acts and we think, oh, you know, that's what we need. You know, for the church to get a, get a hold of that power of the Spirit in the signs and wonders, that's what we need. But you know what? None of those signs and wonders are recorded as being the reasons the church grew in the book of Acts. They attracted attention. That's what they do. You go through, I've been reading through the book of Acts recently and checking on this because I thought it might be true and it is. <laughs> um, that signs and wonders are performed and people get very interested naturally, you know. They prick up their ears and they think, oh, you know, something's going on here. But of course, signs and wonders or magical arts or, or things that are abnormal performed by anybody will attract attention. But when they come together, you know what happens? Somebody speaks truth and people respond to it. That's what happens. The day of Pentecost, all these signs and wonders are going on, the languages and the flames of fire and the noise of the rushing wind and all these people rush together. And what happens? Peter's got an audience <laughs> and he speaks up. He speaks truth. And at the end of that, some people say, ah, oh, he's drunk. <laughs> Other people say, no, 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 this is worth... And 3,000 people join the church as a result of the truth that the Spirit enabled Peter to speak into that situation. Now, I've got other passages here. I'm not going to take the time to do it, but it happens so often through the book of Acts that the signs and wonders are miracles. They're wonderful. I'm not in any way belittling miracles that God does. They're wonderful. And God, you know, I, I wish we could have, have more today. But it's the speaking of the truth that persuades people or causes people to think, yeah, I want to hear more about this. And it's not only the speaking of the truth, but even more so it's the living of the truth the living of the grace and the truth that God that, that, that is God's character. You know what? You've got a great opportunity to do that when you get some pot plants out there. Is it out there? Is that where you were pointing? <laughs> when you get some pot plants out there and you swap them around and people from the community come along and, 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 and what you said um, was that it will give people a great opportunity 
to see what good people we are. That's true. That's exactly how it happens. Because you see, the Spirit enables you to live the grace and the truth that is the character of God. When people come to swap pot plants, <laughs> it's a fantastic opportunity. And that's what it's all about. That's the neighborhood. That's how we are called to live in the neighborhood, empowered by the Holy Spirit, enabled by, the, by, by God himself to live like that amongst our neighbors. So that's what he's calling us to. And you know what? There is so much need today for the discerning of truth, isn't there? You know, with all what's called today about fake news and information overload, we need to have the ability to discern the truth and, and help other people to be able to discern the truth, perhaps more so than ever before. We also have wonderful truth to live and to tell, truth about life, truth about meaning, uh, truth about, about hope and love and forgiveness and grace and well-being. We have truth about justice to speak into an unjust world and truth and, and, and hope into, into environments where hope has been abandoned. We have wonderful opportunities to, to, to tell by the way that we live and by our words what it's all about, that truth. Now, sometimes such truth is not well received. Well, Jesus covered that as well. <laughs> you're going to be persecuted because you're living that truth. But there will, people, there will be people who will pick up on it and say, whoa, there's something different about those people. The way they swapped those pot plants was amazing. <laughs> That's what it takes. That's what it takes. The third role is the spirit as convictor in the world. Now the word convict is, is oftentimes something that is um, associated with condemning and judgment. You know, I'm going to convict you and you're condemned and you're judged and so forth. But it doesn't mean that. The word that's translated convict means to throw light upon it and to cause people to come to a realization of the truth. And so we're told here, Jesus says, the Spirit is coming to convict the world of sinfulness. Now, the word translated sin is, means missing the mark, missing the mark, that they're making a mistake. They're making a mistake about what life is all about. And Jesus says, the Spirit is at work in the world to help them realize that they're making a mistake about what they value and about where they're trying to find meaning and hope and security and stability and truth and grace. And, and the Holy Spirit is at work in the world uh, to convict them of righteousness, of what integrity is all about. And, oh boy, you know, people in Australia are crying out for just, we just want to see some integrity in our leadership. Uh, we just want to see some integrity amongst us. And, and it says here the Holy Spirit is at work in the world to convict them of righteousness, of integrity, of helping them to see what it is to live in ways that will help others. And that the Holy Spirit is at work convicting the world, throwing light upon it, helping them to see of what justice is all about, that things can be made right 
you know that's that's a part of the sense of hopelessness of our brothers and sisters here in Australia a part of the sense of hopelessness is is perceiving that there there is very little justice around and it'll probably never get any better and that's really frightening the last bit <laughs> and it'll probably never get any better and one of the things that the spirit is doing is convicting them of where they can find justice, of where they can find a community of people who are living right and, and, and who are examples of the justice that we all long for. And this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. And, you know, sometimes we fall in, as Christians, we fall into the trap of thinking that it's all up to us to do the convicting work. <laughs> We've got to get out there onto the street corners and, and, and convict people that they're wrong. But that's not what Jesus is saying. It's not. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will come alongside of you to help you, to encourage you, to enable you, to help you know what the truth is and how to live it and enable you to live the truth. And you'll do that in a world where the Holy Spirit is already at work doing the convicting. Leave it up to him. <laughs> Leave it up to him. You do the best you possibly can, enabled by the Spirit, to be the alternative that people are longing to see. To be the alternative. That's what God has called us to as a community of faith, as a church. God calls us to be an alternative. Because you know what? When you get convicted of something... When, 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 you, when you feel, whoa, I'm missing the mark, when you come to that aha experience, there's a vacuum that's created. And it's really hard to know how to live. If everything I've been living for, I've been looking to wealth creation, I've been looking to power, I've been looking to a change in the government to bring about justice, I've been looking for all this stuff and suddenly you realise it's not going to work there. A vacuum is created. And you've got to find something in the vacuum. If you don't, you just revert to the old ways or become suicidal because all hope is left. But if you can't find an alternative, it's really, it's really frightening. And that's why God has sent his spirit to us to help us to live as the alternative, to live grace, to live truth, to live love and forgiveness in a world where the Spirit is at work convicting people that this is the way to go. The most basic truth that we are reminded of here is that the Spirit is already at work in the streets, in the homes, in the workplaces of our neighbourhoods. We don't have to invite Him to do His stuff. We don't have to ask Him to start working. He already is. He already is. It's wonderful news. The second thing that we learn from here is that while our neighbourhoods are being persuaded of missing the mark in materialism and addictions to power and addictions to wealth and success, they need an alternative to turn to. While the Spirit is helping them to see the truth about the lack of integrity all around the world, they need a shining example of what integrity looks like. And while they're caught up in the effects of evil 
and feeling hopeless and powerless about the injustices that they see every day. They need the hope of seeing a community of people, a movement that is overcoming injustice in every way they can. The church is sadly lacking the fullness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We've been sidetracked sidetracked into either neglect or faulty emphasis. We need to revisit what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. The calling that we have to be in the world, as Jesus was in the world, is a calling to be people of grace and truth. And the mission of the Spirit that Jesus has sent to us is to enable such presence and to persuade the world that such an alternative exists. That's really exciting, isn't it? That's really exciting. That's worth giving your life for. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us and giving your life for us that we may live. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that teaches us what life is all about and brings us into new life. So, Lord, help us, we pray, just to have that belief, that faith in you, that this is what a a work of grace looks like when we open up ourselves to you and you, O God, are happy to receive us and give us that new life through Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to live that life in such a way that it brings you glory and allows others to see the difference. Lord, we want to be that alternative society. We want to be those people that others would recognize that having met with the Lord, we've been embraced by the Lord and have been changed by the Lord. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing a work that only you can do. So move through us, we pray. Move our hearts, our feet, our minds, and our hands, and even, Lord, use our words just to bring life into people's lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.